0: And I'm going to ask you a question, that uh, um, you ladies, and ask you a question. As we've been going through the the uh, Proverbs 31 wife and the virtuous woman. And uh, th- by the way, you will you'll learn how to talk and how to speak uh, to your husband uh, through the scriptures, just like your husband will learn how to speak to you through the scriptures. If you're following the Bible, right? We learn how to talk to one of you know, because we've learned from the world the wrong way to do things, right? We have absolutely, I mean, we've been ingra- it's been ingrained in us to do things the wrong way. As we've been raised in this world, right, you grew up and I grew up learning the wrong way to do things, right? We did, so what do we have to do? We have to be brainwashed by the word, amen? That's what, that, Not by me, not by a man, but by the word of God. We have to be, we have to be, the, we have to be washed in the word. Our minds, our hearts have to be washed in the word. And we have to learn what it means to follow God as a husband, as a wife, as whatever. And because the, the scriptures are in opposition to the world's teachings on all of these matters. This, these scriptures differentiate us from the world. What you ask what? The spirit of God being saved by grace and this book is what makes us different than all the world. That's, that's the difference, and we have to remember that. It's not anything else. It's salvation by grace through faith, and it's the Word of God that makes us different. When we follow it, we walk as children of light. The whole world is in darkness, and when you walk as a child of light, it shows because of the world is in darkness and because the philosophies of this world and everything that is being taught to women today and basically everything that's being taught to men today from the world is tainted and wrong. Because they hate God, and they're they're at appos- opposition with God. the The world is at opposition because it's the, not the world in the sense, of, but the world system. Okay, when when we explain it like that, that's what we mean. It means that we have to clarify that because most of us have been dumbed down so much that we don't understand what that means. But the world system, this system of antichrist is what the world is ran by and Christ is different and his book is different. So everything that we've learned has been in this world, if it's after the manner of the world, is antichrist. And you have to, you have to learn how to be what God wants you to be. You have to learn that from the scriptures. You cannot do it any other way. You can't just uh, you know, try to imitate something, you have to, you have to follow Christ, you have to be washed in the Word, you have to be won by the Word of God and you have to be led by the Word of God and your speech and everything has to be corrected by the Scriptures. That's, that's all, that's, we have to, right? There's no other way because we've been taught wrong our whole lives. How do you compete with that, right? You've been taught your whole life wrong, well what happens? You, gotta be cha- you and I have to be changed by this book. I'm constantly learning things I'm doing wrong, right? Aren't you? Don't you, the longer you're saved, learn things that you're doing wrong? It's like, well, I can't do that anymore. That's not Christ-like. i got to change that. That's not being the husband God wants me to be or being the man God wants me to be. I've got to change that. It's not being the father or you as, a, as wives and mothers or, and single ladies. That's not being the lady that God wants me to be. I've got to change that. Why? Because you learn it from the book, and that's what we're going to talk about. This, this, the Bible teaches you everything you need to know about, about all of these subjects. This is the, you, you know, people write books on marriage manuals. Well, this is the marriage manual. This, this, this is the marriage manual right here, right? By the way, most of your uh, marital counseling should take place every Sunday and Wednesday if you're paying attention and your own personal devotions. Because if you're asking God to teach you, then most of those things are you learn there. Most counseling, if it's re- if biblical preaching is received from the pulpit, that's the counsel that God has for you. It just is. I mean, I'm not saying that I don't want to pastor you and I don't want to take time uh, because I do and I don't want to take those hours that sometimes go into different things that happen. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but the truth is, many, many times, Bible preaching and instruction from the pulpit uh, when it's preached out of the word of God has been ignored and you find yourself into a situation that you need help to get out of. When most of the time it's that you and I are ignoring what God is teaching us through his word, right? Through your own devotions, through the book, through the pulpit. That we, we believe that, that that's what God does, right? We believe it. Well, if we believe it, then we have to follow it. Proverbs 31, verse 26. And there's other verses about this that we'll go through here today. She openeth her mouth with wisdom. That's important. She openeth her mouth with wisdom. And in her tongue is the law of kindness. Father, please bless us now. We thank you, Lord, for your book. And, Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. Please guide our steps as we go through these verses. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is probably the fifth or sixth message in Proverbs 31 that we've talked about this. A good question, though, to ask to begin this sermon is, how do you speak to your husband? It's an examination. I'm not asking you to answer me. It's one of those rhetorical questions that you, it's one of those meditorial questions, right? You just meditate on it. You think about it. How do you speak to your husband? That's important. What is the manner of your conversation towards your husband? Because a lady's speech is just as important as her modesty in clothing. Because a lady's spe- modesty of speech is essential for a godly woman. There's a difference, and we're going to get to this, this applies to a wife or a daughter or any single Christian lady, right? Because the principles that we teach our young ladies now will carry into their lives as a wife, a widow, and a mother, whichever case the case may be. One person said it this way, The ideal woman is wise of speech. She is the counselor of the household, giving good advice and teaching them that kindness that kindness which is life's truest wisdom. The easy running of home affairs makes a great difference in the happiness of everyone. Home is where the character of the children is being formed. The widest empire does not offer a more dignified throne for the exercise of high wisdom than the mother's seat in the home. The results of such a good woman's life are visible. She has a happy husband. She has has appreciative children. She has a good name. He goes on to say, May God give to many a girlish heart, a new dream, not of fair, but of good women, that shall reproduce itself in a strong, gentle, and wise life the it's it's unmistakable that the mother the wife sets the tone for the home so her speech there's a big difference in a you know people there's a big difference and which is point number one i'm just going to go right into my point i'm not gonna i'm not gonna expound on that i'll just i'll just expound right here on it number one ladies remember you're not a man boy that seems too simple well i am a very simple preacher i've been told that before Amen. Very simple. But what differentiates you from a man is not just the anatomy of your body. It is not merely that your hair or the different body parts. It is the purpose for what God made you for. That's the difference. You were made for a specific purpose. And that purpose has never changed. It is the same purpose. The Bible says that man is the head of the wife and the savior of the body. That man is the leader and the head of the woman. And the woman came from the man, not the man from the woman. Why is this important? Because in remembering the speech of a woman is to be different than that of a man will go a long way in you remembering the guidelines that God has put down in his word. The speech is different. The demeanor is different. Women are not to speak like a man. You say, what does that mean? Well, in this unisex society, most people don't know. Because you go to work and you listen to, if you go to work and you listen to women talk, they talk worse than men do. Right? There's like not a lot of difference in speech, is there? Overcompensate. That's right, Brother Paul. That's exactly right. That's what they do. When they were never meant to compete with men. Oh, my goodness. No. Why? Because you think you're better? No, I think I'm different. (laughs) It's not about being better. It's being different. I would not want to be married to me. I would not want to look over at me and be like, oh. Oh. I, I I don't want to compete with my wife. My wife doesn't want to compete with me. Because we compliment one another. That's the way God made you. My goodness, how in the world could you look at your spouse and think that you're supposed to be in some kind of competition and you don't admonish and and look and understand the glory of the way God made both of you? It has been thrown away today. People don't even realize it. They think it's barbaric to preach these things. No, it's biblical. And we've gotten so far away from the Bible, nobody understands it. I am so absolutely thankful that my wife is not like me. And I don't want her to be like me. And she doesn't wanna be like me. We both wanna be like Christ. And what that means is we both fulfill the roles that God has for us. And we compliment one another doing there is nothing you have never seen anything in your life as absolutely beautiful as a husband and wife that work together in a home yeah. that compliment one. another. You have just never seen anything like it right. on this earth that is. It is just absolutely phenomenal and amazing. When two people are not working against each other, they're working together for the glory of God. You have never seen anything so beautiful in your life. The children that are produced out of that, the blessings that the home has on that, you just have never seen anything like it. When two people realize that they are one flesh and God made them different and unique to complement one another, and together they go through life serving the Lord, there's just nothing, nothing better than that. And if people don't see that, if they don't understand that, it's sad, really. But when you don't operate according to what the scriptures teach and you operate opposite of that, you get mayhem, chaos, competition with each other. Right? It's terrible. Women are not to speak like a man, God made you different. And that's important to understand. There's a difference in the bold speech of a man and the meek and quiet spirit of a woman. The Bible speaks of that. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. There's a difference. By the way, a woman loses her effectiveness when she, lives, when she raises her voice and becomes bold and brassy and, and, and arrogant and strong and, you know, in that, way, in that sense, it's not actually strength for a woman. It's actually weakness. But, but when she does it though she becomes ugly it's ugly right it becomes ugly because it's not the way God made her her effectiveness is not in raising her voice her effectiveness is in her testimony in the way she lives in her meekness her meekness will break the strongest man in the world I mean that. I believe, I'm I'm not kidding you. I'm dead serious when I say that because the scriptures teach that. Her meekness will break the strongest, most the strong-willed, hardest man in the world. It will break it. God made men and women to be different and speech is one of those differences. Men are taught and told in the scriptures to lift up their voice and to preach and to praise and to speak boldly in the name of the Lord and to be loud. They're they're just told to be. That's what God, that's what God sent them to be. But the sign of a strange woman is that she is loud and stubborn, and everyone has to hear her. She has to make her position known. Proverbs seven eleven. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Instead of a keeper at home, she is out and she is about and she is loud and she is proud and she wants everyone to know about it. They make their voices known. They make. The, it's the sign of a strange woman. It's the opposite of what God wants you to do. Women get farther, godly women get much farther by not speaking loud. Much farther. Much more of an effect because that's how God designed it. See, that just doesn't make sense. No, it makes perfect biblical sense. In the world's eyes, it doesn't make any sense. But biblically speaking, it makes all the sense in the world. Why? Because it takes faith to believe God. That's right. You just believe what God says. Instead of a keeper at home, she is out and about running around, right? So then we see the difference in the roles. The roles of men and women necessitate their speech. So as a leader, I speak authoritatively and I'm told to in Titus 2.15. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. That's the the office of a bishop. He's talking to a pastor. These are the pastoral epistles that Paul wrote specifically to pastors. By the way, you want to know what he has before that? Turn to Titus chapter 2. Look at the beginning of what he says. Because he lays down all these, the order of a husband and a wife. He lays down the order of godly women and godly men. And then you know what he does? He seals it at the end in verse 15. With these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Verse number one, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience, the aged women likewise that they be in behaviors becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands and to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, discreet. What is that? That's the opposite of being loud and stubborn. Discreet is being reserved. It's not making your voice known so everybody knows that you're not happy as a woman. It's not being loud. That's the opposite of what you're supposed to be. Discreet is the opposite. Chaste. They're chaste conversation, right? They are chaste. Purity. Walking in purity. Keepers at home good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. That's a powerful thing, don't you think? Man, I just, that, that gets me every time I read that. There's only a few times in scripture where God says that Christians can blaspheme the word of God, or that Christians can allow, right? Right? In their position, in their home, in their in their in their demeanor, right to cause the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. David, back in the old David, his sin caused the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. God judged him for it, right? He chastened him for it. He put away his sin, but he said, yeah, "You're going to pay for it." In the sense, not in the sense of paying for your uh, your sin, but you're going to you're going to suffer the chastening of the Lord, the regret. Right, You're going you're gonna to deal with it. And by the way, families deal with this today. When you, when you overlook what the Bible says here, for a woman in her place to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. That's powerful. That the word of God be not blasphemed. So how many churches across America that have not preached this and taught this and instructed their people on this and guided them, how many of them have blasphemed the word of God? because you have churches that really don't know what the role of a man and a woman is they don't know the differences and the distinctions they don't talk about it ever they don't deal with it and what happens people are blaspheming the word of God generations have grown up and died blaspheming the word of God and pastors have closed their mouth to it not said a word about it yeah see there's a difference in the speech of a bold man and a meek woman a woman who is not a leader she's to guide the home But the husband is the head of the home. But she is to guide it. And her speech is to be always prudent and kindly, never gossiping, never slandering, never hasty or passionate, ever firm but gentle. (laughs) Mothers have to, and why? They have to be firm. That's not sinful for them to be firm. They have to be firm but gentle. See how often otherwise good characters are spoiled, said one, by the unbridled tongue. And, and man or woman, by the way, all of us, we're going to talk about the tongue. We're all going to get nailed here in a little while. But, but uh, uh, you know, that all of us can succumb to that. But listen, ladies, I'm telling you, your speech, if it's, if it's not according to a meek, a quiet spirit and if it's not governed the right way biblically by the by the place that God has given you and you think well I can say anything I want to say well that's true you can so can I but that doesn't mean there isn't going to be consequences for what I say right (laughs) you can't you're right you can but there's consequences for that right There's consequences. If you become a bold, brassy woman, if you speak that way in front of your children, if you teach that your children to talk to their husband that way, if you teach your children that it's okay, let me go in reverse. If you yell at your wife, if you argue with your wife, if you speak reproachfully and appropriately to your wife, you are teaching your daughters and your children that it's okay to do that. And that type of person is okay for them to marry. That's what you're teaching them. You're teaching them it's okay to be argumentative like that. It's okay to speak that way to your husband or a husband. It's okay to talk down to my wife like that. That's what you've taught them. And don't think that anything else is going to change that. Right. It's your behavior that has to change. That's right. You got to get right with God and you got to stop doing it. You can't talk to your wife like that, and talk to talk to your your husband and wife talk to each other like that, and expect that that's going to have good fruit to it. It won't. Don't do that. Don't speak to each other that way. There's no reason for it. It's wicked. And then you train your children that that's okay to talk to each other that way. And they grow up thinking that. So your daughters are going to go marry some guy that speaks to them that way. Right. They're going to choose it. They're going to find that type of guy. Or, or your son. He'll find a type of woman that talks that way. Or he'll do the opposite and he'll hate it with a passion. But it'll bear its mark. It'll leave its bitter mark on him. Right? It's... it's it's terrible it's terrible number two when she opens her mouth it's in wisdom she opened her mouth in wisdom that's important isn't it so when she does speak her words matter people listen people listen the husband listens right right Listen, because she's got wisdom. She's wise about the way she weighs her words and what she says and when to speak and when not to speak. Ah, that's an art, lady. That is, a, I mean, it's an art for all of us to learn, right? But it's definitely an art for ladies to learn. As a pastor, I have to exercise that a lot because I hear a lot of things I don't agree with. <laughs> I do. I hear, I hear a lot of things. And if I want to fire off on everything I hear that I don't like, guess what? It's not going to do any good for anybody. Oh, I'll feel better. No, I won't. <laughs> it ain't gonna make you feel any better, right? But women—they're they, to speak. She opens her mouth in wisdom. I like what one man said. He said, "When she opens her mouth, for it is not always open." <laughs> I love that. I read that. I was like, "That's funny, man." I'm putting that in there. <laughs> he said, "He said, when she opens her mouth, for it is not always open." <laughs> That's a good lesson right there. (laughs) Right? She's not always running her mouth. She's not always talking. You know, uh, not, not speaking too much when it's not appropriate, right? Too talkative in that sense. When she opens her mouth, for it is not always open, she expresses herself in a discreet and prudent manner, as well as speaks of things not foolish and trifling, but of moment and importance. Think about that. Of moment and importance. So she's able to gauge the moment that she is in, whether it's wise for her to speak or it's better for her to be silent. I have seen where there are some women at times, they know just how to infuriate their husbands and to make them angry, they know just the point to speak and to say something that will send them off like a rocket ship. I'm I'm being serious. Those are the times that you're quiet it's not an art form to make your husband mad it's actually an art not to you know to be wise with that now i'm not talking about walking around on eggshells because you shouldn't have to do that either it that, uh, that's that's that man has a wrong spirit too he needs to get right with god but the point is is that you know what you're not to say things that are going to infuriate a woman because by the way women i'm telling you you can say something sometimes and it's like uh-oh you know, pick and choose wisely, like this person said, but of moment and importance. Is it important that I say this right now, or would it be better said at a different time? Right? And by the way, that's all of us. We could learn that too. Amen. Like there's times you could look over at your wife and be like, yeah, this ain't a good time. Right, right. I'll, I'll go with that for right now. There's times I do that. I just look at the situation. I'm like, hmm. I'll wait, right? Just pray about it. And wait. Not not because I'm afraid to say anything, but because I'm trying to be, right. I'm trying to be charitable. Right. I don't I I I don't try to dump on people. You know when they're you know it's like kicking somebody when they're down. That's not a good. T- there are times that situations arise and I have to deal with things as a pastor. Sometimes that I don't I I choose when I deal with them, at times if if I'm able to, because sometimes just. I don't wanna just dump on somebody. They're not. I they gotta wait, right? Wait till the proper time to deal with it. And that's the same thing. That's what by the way, that quote was from John Gill, and it was absolutely correct, you know, when what he said. And of usefulness to others. That if your speech sometimes you might be in a speech of something. You know, or somebody something might be going on around you and you're in a conversation and you have to wait, is this useful to others, what I'm about to say? Or would it be better off not said? Well It's not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not, am I needlessly offending somebody by saying this when I don't really have to? Right? So then we back, we don't say it. But that's not not being a coward, by, by the way. It's being kind. You can be kind and just not say something that you disagree with. You can, like people don't have to know that you disagree with them all the time. Did you know that? You know, you can live life and they can live life with them knowing that you dis- that with them not knowing that you disagree with them about something. <laughs> that's it's okay. It really is okay. I'm not talking about everything in really serious matters that are important, but just general things. Like I don't have to be disagreeable just for the sake of being disagreeable. I don't have to let you know that I think that's a dumb idea. I can think it all I want to, but I can also leave it up there, too, and not tell you. Right? I, I don't have to do that. And that's what he's talking about. You don't have to say something. There's times that you don't have to. She, opened up her, she opens her mouth in wisdom. She's wise about what she says and when she says it. Right? The fountain of her wisdom is her fear of God and her love for his word. Look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 7. It's love for God's word, and that's the that's the basis of her wisdom. Let me tell you something. It'll show if you're putting God's word in you or you're not. It'll show. Because what comes out of you is gonna tell whether you're putting God's word in you. Right? So especially when if your counsel is after the scriptures, or if it's after the world, or if it's after your feelings, or if you're if you're dealing with just heated passions and not the word of God. Sometimes we are guilty of just dealing with heated passions coming out of our mouths, and it's not the word of God. We're not being wise. We're just upset, right? It happens to us. We do that sometimes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, so it's the fear of God, right? It's impossible for a woman to be truly wise and virtuous without a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ and without an intimate relationship with the Bible. In the midst of her busy household schedule and everything, it is impossible for you to be the wife that God wants you to be without the Word of God being in you. You you can't. Your ways aren't cleansed. Your mind is not set right. Your heart is not set right. Right things won't come out of your mouth when the Word of God is not put in your heart. It just, you can't be what God wants you to be. And you'll end up giving in to, to temptations and frustrations and everything else. You'll be given into provocations. Why? Well, you're too busy for God's word. So then you try, to, you try to manage things with worldly wisdom, right? You try to manage, or your own reasoning. Well, I think it's a good idea. I have, <sighs> I've heard a lot of people tell me some good ideas about what they're going to do. Uh, with raising children, with, 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 with disciplining children, with guiding them. And a lot of times, like it's not even Bible. It's just like this theory and this process that they have and this thing that they think is going to work. And I'm like, well, it's right there. Why would, why would you invent this whole new like wheel of things to do when it's right in the scriptures, what you're supposed to do and I'm supposed to do? Like, you don't need to, like, you're not going to do something. You're not going to improve on God's Word. God is, the, God is the greatest parent ever. You're not going pr- to improve on his, his way. You're not going to make it better. <laughs> you're not going to be, well, you know, I kind of adapt this for, this. well, that's stupid. You're being a fool then, because you're despising wisdom and instruction. And you're turning away from what God said in His Word, and you're doing your own thing. You think you're going you're gonna to make it work better. No, you won't. You'll make a fool of yourself is what you'll do and destroy people in the process. See, your walk with God is vitally important. You may have a super busy schedule that consumes your time, but you must have a devotional life with God. Otherwise, you won't open your mouth in wisdom because wisdom comes from God, biblical wisdom, true wisdom. There's worldly worldly wisdom, See, you must personally walk with God in order for your words to be wise. You must know the word of God. It must be in you and then it will come out of you. When things come out of you that are not consistent with the scriptures, then you must understand that you're going to say the wrong things because you're not walking in the spirit. See, her wisdom is evident in her speech. Proverbs says the lips give expression to what the heart, what is in the heart. Look at Proverbs 15, 2. The lips give expression for what is in the heart. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Their mouth just pours out foolishness. So the wise woman, she's careful about what she says. She doesn't open her mouth to backbite someone or to tell a joke or something that is inappropriate or to tear down a pastor or tear down other brothers and sisters in Christ or to enthuse over some kind of sensual vanity that's in the world, wasting their life on YouTube superstars and garbage on online and on television, on everything else, and filling their mind up with nonsense and garbage and idolizing fools that are online, idolizing social influencers, people like that, taking their, why? Well, they're taking their philosophies from those people. When you fill your heart up with that, not the Word of God and not God's people, not the things of the Lord and all that, and you fill it up with all those worldly things, guess what? It affects your mind and your heart. It'll affect your speech going to affect it. The Bible says that. Her words are weighed carefully and she sets the tone for her children. You know, you set the tone for your children by how you speak. You set it for the home. If you raise your voice a lot as a lady and yell a lot and raise your voice a lot, and guess what you're going to do? You're going to teach your children that's appropriate behavior. And then you, then they start yelling at each other. You wonder, why are they yelling at each other? Because you are. That's right. Come on, preacher. One lesson that I, that I, I constantly uh, speak to my wife about and talk about in our home is you raise your rod, not your voice. If you've already spoken, you raise your rod, not your voice. Right. Amen. You speak once then you raise your rod not your voice don't you ever stop being a lady and come out of being what god made you to be as a firm but kind uh guider of the home and leading your children by raising your voice oh no 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 you speak to them once and you raise your rod that's what you raise that's right once you give them you twice Tells them that you're telling them it's okay to disobey you. That's right. So like people say, well, I give them three chances. Three chances to rebel against you? I almost want to say to them, bend over. I'm giving you one right now. You, I'm, hey, I'm, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not a Puritan. Okay, but <laughs> I am a Baptist, all right? You'll get that in a second, some of you. But... Uh, <laughs> Just a joke, but but the the truth is about that though. But think about that, all right? You give them two chances to disobey you, to right? Or count to five. One, one and a half. <laughs> two. You disobeyed me. Three. You disobeyed me. Four. Is that the number of swats, or what? What what, are, what what is that exactly? Confusion. See, some of you weren't raised with biblical correction, so that seems terrible to you. It's not terrible. It's biblical. You wanna raise a little heathen? You wanna raise a little Hellion that doesn't love God, doesn't respect anybody? They'll be punching you in the face when they're 16 years old. They will knock you straight in the teeth. And I mean your mama too. They'll knock you right out. They'll punch you right. What's that? Cops ain't gonna give them an account to five. No, no, they're not. They're gonna throw them on the ground and beat them, is what they're gonna do. Right? That's just reality. You don't teach them to fear God. And by the way, none of that is done out of out of a, out of a hate or spite or anything. Amen. It's done out of love. Amen. Are you kidding me? I don't want my children to be destroyed right. because I'm a bum and I don't want to raise my family right. Amen. I don't lead them and I don't care for them enough to correct my own children. So I I, I unleash those hellions on society, a bunch of heathens on society. So ladies, remember. You use your voice once, and then you lift up the rod. Your loud speaking will not change it. I remember my cousin, what he used to do. My aunt would tell him to do something, and he wouldn't do it. And he'd close his eyes. he like, and she'd be screaming. I mean, she is like screaming like Rod Parsley in that. Remember that? Remember that? That charismatic. And he's laughing at her. He's got his ears. He plugs his ears, and he's laughing at her while she's screaming her head off. Right 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 That's not the biblical way That's Amen. why True love corrects and instructs It guides and it, and, it, and it corrects the wrong Because God corrects you Because he loves you He chastens you because he loves you You chasten your children Because you love them You, you don't yell at them That's not going to do anything a mom screaming at them doesn't do anything but, but annoy them. And they grow up thinking, man, that that's the most annoying thing ever to hear a woman scream. Well, it is actually, but, but that it grows, they, they grow with this angst. By the way, it makes it's not good. Young men having a woman yell at them, especially the older they get and things like that. If you haven't corrected those things down here and dealt with those things, young men, when they, when they hear women yell... Like, they they really despise, it it makes them despise women. Like, they they don't like them. Like, they, there's implications for those things. Do it the Bible way. Do it God's way. Amen. Do it God's way. Listen to me. I'm trying to warn you. I'm trying to warn you on this side. Man, I can't yell loud enough. I can't preach hard enough. I can't preach long enough. I can't. I just, I can't, to warn you so you don't get on the other side and you have a life of regrets. If our children turn, it's because they're in sin, not because we neglected them spiritually. So vitally important. her words are weighed carefully and she sets the tone for the children she cannot be a silly woman laden with sins second timothy 3 6 for this sort are, are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins led away with diverse lusts by the way that don't have to be that don't have to be some man coming into it that way that can be on the internet too by the way see the prodigal son when he got into trouble you know what he did his heart was gone before he was I preached a message on that years ago, a series, I preached it twice, and one of the main things that I've always remembered from that is this, is that uh, is the first message was steps that led him far from home, and it all started at home, it all started in his heart. He started wandering in his heart, he started, it started, he started rebelling in his heart, it starts in the heart. Don't just think that, that some outward confirmation is enough. No, we guide them, we teach them, we love them, we instruct them, right? We continue because their heart can be far from it. Their heart can be so hard. Right now, you could be sitting as a young person and your heart can be hard right now. I don't know. I don't... Hey, one thing I learned about, about Baptist people and independent Baptist churches, they can fake stuff. Man, I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> they, can, they, can, they, can, they can have all the right doctrine, everything, and man, they can fake it like you wouldn't believe. I'm not calling anybody a fake. I'm saying you get along with God and you make sure your heart is right with God. I'm not the judge of anybody for those things. God is the judge. And you better surrender to God and you better have your heart ready uh, to follow the Lord and to be, be obedient to him. If there's something that's not right, you get it right with God. Amen. That's important, friend. It's important that your heart is right with God. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, you can be swayed by the internet. You can, you can just be, you can be a silly woman laden with sins wandering about from, your mind is totally gone, not focused on the work that you have. Not focused on your job, on your tasks, on what you're supposed to do. On your duties, right? On your duties. First Timothy chapter 5, verse number 13 through 15. This all deals with speech as well. The speech, and with all they learn to be idle. Ah, don't learn to be idle. Idleness, you should write this somewhere. Idleness kills. It kills. You know why most older people cripple up and die? Inactive. Yeah, they become idle, they stop moving. You know, one of the best things they could do for people besides not putting them in a nursing home? But uh, uh, but you want to know the best one of the best things you can do uh, for them, get them up and get them moving. Amen. It's hard to move; it hurts. I know. Get up and get moving. Great. Good. Because I'm gonna tell you what I want to move till I'm dead. Amen. I, I don't want to shrivel up and sit there and just be like, no, I'm done. It hurts to move. Might hurt to move, but I'm glad I can move. Amen. Move. Get up and move. The same thing with uh, with uh, spiritually speaking, spiritual idleness, right? You get you in trouble. You become idle and you don't have anything to do. Young man, you want to get in trouble. The quickest way for you to get in trouble as a young man is not to have something to do productive. That's the quickest way. Well, I just want to sit around all day. That's a good reason to get up and do something. Sitting around all day is dangerous. Look what David did when kings went out to battle. Where was he? Sitting in his bed. Sitting up. Not studying the Bible. Not studying the Old Testament scriptures. Not writing out the Old Testament like he was supposed to. Right? That's not being idle. Right, If I'm writing out God's Word, I'm not being idle. If I'm studying and reading and praying, I'm not being idle. I'm not talking about just physical movement. I'm talking about an idle mind where you're just sitting and roaming around and thinking about stuff all day and and putting nonsense in your brain all day. That's a good way to go insane and hate everybody around you. You want to hate everybody around you? Man, all you got to do is just sit and think about nothing and have nothing to do all day. You will think about every bad thing every person that you know has done you will think about how worthless they are, how mean they are, how bad and terrible are, how they all must hate you and everything else. Right. Just by sitting there not doing nothing. It's like you're rolling around and then you start getting mad. You start getting a bitter look on your face and you start getting angry. Or you start getting poopy and sorrowful for yourself. Right? right? Getting a sour puss face on and feeling sorry for yourself and thinking that you're the, you're the number one victim in all the world. Why? Because you're idle. Go do something. Study to show thyself approved unto God, do something. Get up and do something physically, do something with your mind, do something. Don't sit around and think like that. It's how every every man I've ever had do anything foolish in this church has amounted to the fact that they sat around and didn't go to work. And they thought up schemes and they dreamed things on their bed and all kinds of other things to cause trouble. That's exactly what they did. They dreamed up ways to cause trouble. And they did it too. We watched them do it, didn't we? (laughs) We saw them do it. And with all they learned to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers. That's with their tongue. Also in busybodies. Busybodies into other men's affairs. Gossiping and talking about what other men are doing. By the way, it's women. he's dealing with there but I mean it's all of us that have to warn warn against those things right but it's women that he's dealing with speaking things which they ought not that's why he says I will therefore the younger women marry keep busy (laughs) get them married right I will therefore the younger women marry bear children why they got something to do keep them busy right guide the house guide the house Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Because that's what they'll do. Satan, that's what he'll do. He'll speak reproachfully about because you're for some are already turned aside after Satan. First Timothy three eleven. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanders, sober, faithful in all things. So then if you look at the tongue, it's very important. How you speak, lady, and what you say matters to God. She opens her mouth uh, in wisdom. She's wise about her words. Very wise. By the way, you can either cool the flames or you can stoke the fire with what you say. And sometimes the hardest thing that you will do is bite your lip and say nothing and walk away and go speak to God. But I don't, I don't think you should just walk away and do nothing. I think you should walk away and pray. Amen. I don't think you should ever walk away and do nothing. When a confrontation, a situation comes up or, or, or something like that, I think you should walk away and pray. I don't think. I know you should. Right. Because you should take it to the one that can do something about it. That's right. You as a wife ought to pray when there's something that is troubling you or concerning you, and uh, then you ought to, go to your, you ought to go to the Lord and you ought to pray. And you ought to ask God to help you. You ought to ask God to change the heart. You ought to ask God to do that work. If you're concerned for your children, you're concerned for what's going on in the children, you should pray. Proverbs 12, 18. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Turn to James chapter 3. We're going to go through a few verses here. My brethren, verse number one, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Some are coming to spiritual maturity and being care- that perfection, to some coming to spiritual maturity, a man or a woman, coming to spiritual maturity and, and weighing their words wisely. They, they know how not to offend. If they, if they don't need to. Enable also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. Wow. Man, that's something, isn't it? It's a fire, a world of iniquity. That's powerful, isn't it? That's amazing when you think about that, but it's true, isn't it? How many wars have been started by the tongue? How many battles have been, how many things have been instigated? How many things have been destroyed by the tongue? It's the most powerful part, not by the forces of armies or anything else, but by the tongue. How many wars have been ended with just the tongue? How much peace has been wrought in a home or a family or a church or anywhere else by kind words and by, by, by right speaking with the tongue, Right? How much evil has been diffused with the tongue by just using the tongue properly. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. Well, what is the course of nature? It is set on fire of hell. The course of fallen nature, hell. That's what he's saying, isn't he? So, if our tongue is not governed by the Holy Ghost, if it's not governed by the scriptures, it's a world of iniquity. That's what it is. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame, it is an unruly evil the tongue can no man tame that's why you got to be saved by the grace of god that's why you got to be spirit that's why you got to be filled with the spirit that's why you and I got to walk in the spirit why because we can't tame our own tongue we're not able to we don't have the power to in our flesh we don't have the power to tame our own tongue it's the holy ghost that must tame the tongue right but the tongue can no man tame it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Wow. I mean, that's pretty strong, isn't it? Full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren these things ought not so to be. Amen. These things, watch your tongue. Make sure what you and I say that we're governed by the Spirit of God and governed in wisdom and as a lady that you speak in wisdom when you open your mouth. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. He's talking about the tongue. Why is it, why is it duplicitous? It sounds like a Jesuit, right? It's, it's, the tongue does, right? Does he have an open policy, an open and false policy, and a true and private policy? These things ought not to be so. The same love that binds this woman's heart governed her tongue. The same same love. So it's the love of God that binds the heart, right? And it ought to govern our tongues. That's why the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You're to let it. You're to walk in the Spirit. You're to govern your tongue. That means, you know, possibly 50 percent of the time we could shut up amen. so we don't make things worse <laughs> right we, or we could not say some things that we shouldn't say right sometimes like 50 percent maybe some. there's at times we're like that right where man we've gotten ourselves in a lot of trouble by just amen. talking too much amen but as a lady you have to be careful the art of weighing your words they mean something they have power when they're weighed rightly right? They have power. They don't when they're vainly used. When they're vainly spoken and used all the time and just running off at the mouth, men don't listen. Typically, most men, unless they're very beta males, they do not listen to women run their mouth. They generally just like walk away. I mean, I do personally, like when they start, they start flapping. I just like, okay, I'll see you. Right? Because I, I don't. Right? yeah exactly yeah amen that's right yeah okay that's enough of that (laughs) right (laughs) make you leave a six-figure job won't it thank god i don't have to gnaw my arm off to get away but oh i i hear you right she is careful not to speak foolishly or ill natured. The virtuous woman plagues neither her husband nor any other man with her words. She is not like a man when they have rough conversations, speak boldly and coarse and harsh at such times. She doesn't lock her lip, though, in a sullen silence. That's not, that's not weighing your word. You know, there's, there's the silent treatment that women can do, which is an absolute manipulating tactic. Men do it too sometimes, but women do it, a sil- give the silent treatment with a sullen look on their face, right? That word, that means a gloomy and angry, silent, cross, sour, affected with ill humor, like you've been sucking on lemons, and you're ready to cry, right? And you just that that, that and you won't say anything. Somebody tries to talk to you, and you don't say anything. You just sit there, and you don't say a word while people talk to you. Well, number one, you ain't sorry about nothing you've done. And that's not a repentant heart. Because a repentant heart is, it admits when they're wrong. They're broken over, their, over what they've done. And they confess it and they get it right. Just because you're being quiet doesn't mean you're being wise. At that point, when you're supposed to speak and you're supposed to have the right spirit, you're being a fool. You're, 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 you're like one of those foolish women that Job talked about. Right? A wise woman is not quiet when she is to speak, but she speaks with wisdom and, words, and her words matter. This is why the aged women are not to be slanders. They speak little, and what they say, people listen to. So if you speak the wrong thing and slander someone, people will believe what you say about them. Her wisdom comes from God's word. She does not teach pop culture, modernism, feminism, but she teaches and speaks the things that are sound doctrine and sound Christian and sober living for her children and other ladies around her. She has that biblical wisdom not worldly wisdom. Turn to James, back to James chapter 3. Maybe you're still there. 14 through 18. I, I preached a, a series on this many years ago, a long time ago. It was called The Wars of James chapter 4, and then I preached on James chapter 3 as well. I don't know if that's out there or not. I can't remember, but, but um, it's been a long time. Maybe I'll go through it again someday if I live long enough, amen, eh, if I get through Ephesians. Huh? <laughs> but uh, But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Man, I've seen situations before that were just entirely Confusing. And I'm like, what in the world is going... I just cannot wrap my brain around this, why this is like that. I've prayed about it. I've looked at it. I just don't get it. But it's right here. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Because there's a lot of envy and strife there. And nothing's going to get solved when that's there, until that gets repented of. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's pure. It's holy. Pure then peaceable. See? Purity comes before peace. You see that? Right. God makes you pure, then you have peace. That's how it works. It's from above, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy. This is that wisdom, lady, that you're to speak with. Full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. I like that. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, right? All the words that she uses and the expressions of that good sense which adorns her mind and that virtue which warms her heart and regulates her conduct is what she does. Not worldly wisdom. What is, your, what is the man of your conversation? Is it worldly wisdom or is it biblical wisdom? Some women will speak the rudest things, said one, without provocation, and brag that they are bold enough to speak their whole mind and will not be reserved. They applaud themselves for their wit and boldness. But the virtuous woman has no desire to make any person uneasy with her. But if she must reprove, she will do it according to the gentleness of the female nature. There is a difference. There is a difference. Uh, rebu- men rebuking and women, women dealing with uh, uh, reproving and rebuking in the home, the big difference. Men rebuking and, and preaching, And big difference in the nature of that reproof. Same reproof, different in speech. She is beautiful in her speech. She should take an interest in everything that interests her husband in the house. She is kind but orderly. She keeps discipline in the home. Tact is evidently the characteristic of one who openeth her mouth with wisdom. In the multitude of words there one did not sin, for she has sufficient sense of the seriousness of life to avoid utterances which are idle and thoughtless. Her words are the dictates of that of wisdom, the beginning of which is the fear of the Lord. Nor does she merely speak wise words, but with true wisdom she recognizes that there is a time to speak and a time to be silent, so that her reproofs and encouragements live long in grateful memories. Thankful that people told the truth to them. People remember that. Thankful that they were given the truth. Thankful that someone told them the truth. And lastly, the law of kindness rules her tongue. It's the law of kindness that that governs her as it says that she she preaches go back to she speaks the law of kindness she opened her mouth in wisdom with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness one said it this way but authority is quite as important as tact and this is characteristic of one who has a law in her lips Suppleness in management is of little value unless there be strength behind it. God never meant that women should be always yielding to other people's opinions, or that they should be swayed hither and thither by every passing breeze of emotion. As much as men, they need firmness, the royal power of rule, for in the home, in the sick room, and in the class, they have a veritable kingdom in which to exercise authority for God. But what is their authority comes through the law of kindness. That's the way that they speak. That's the manner in which they speak. It must not be forgotten, however, that the authority here spoken of is that law of kindness. Such in the highest sense is the authority of Christ over his people. The noblest rule requires not the display of force, nor the terrors of foolish threats, nor the countermining of a suspicious nature. But the woman is to speak the law of kindness which is obeyed because it evidently springs from love and is enforced by love. The gentlest influences are by no means the feeblest. You may think that if well if I speak gently and soft with that law of kindness, well it must be feeble and weak. No, it isn't. It's powerful. That's why God told you to do it. Cuz it works. <laughs> it works. One person said, Yes, we agree that the old poet who said that a low, soft voice was an excellent thing in a woman. Indeed, we feel inclined to go much further than he has on the subject and call it one of her crowning charms. How often the spell of beauty is rudely broken by a coarse, loud talking. They, they might be the most beautiful thing ever and have all that, but, but they might be the loudest talking. It, it makes them ugly. It makes them ugly. Why? loud and stubborn. You've seen that out on the street, right? Some lady might walk up to you and she might be an attractive lady speaking all loud and yelling and hollering and you're just like... Right? I always make sure they understand I thank God that I don't have to go home with them. I thank God I don't have to go home with you. (laughs) Why? Because you scream and holler and yell and a loudmouth stubborn woman we give them the gospel we tell them they need to be saved but I tell them that too why because they don't understand that nobody's ever told them that before nobody ever told them before they're not supposed to talk like that they're not supposed to talk like that they're not supposed to be loud like that they're not supposed to be stubborn like that how often you are irresistibly drawn to a plain unassuming woman whose soft silvery tone renders her positively attractive in the social circle, how pleasant it is to hear a woman talk in that low key which always characterizes the true lady. In the sanctuary of the home, how such a voice soothes the fretful child and cheers the weary husband. Right? Let I me mean, think about that. You, men go off to work and they're out a bunch of loudmouthed women. I mean, they're just loudmouthed. And they can't say anything to them, really. They can't. I mean, they just have to deal with it, right? But then they go home, and if their wife is soft-spoken and godly, it sues. It sues them, right? It comforts them, right? All of her words are governed by a law, and that law is kindness. She does not speak like her husband in that sense because they will never be like us. They'll reserve their speech and not speak forward in course. Her language to those around her is animated and regulated by love. As a mother of a family, she has to teach and direct her dependents. She performs this duty with gracious kindness and ready sympathy. She places order on her tongue. So there's a law on her tongue, right? Do you understand that? What you, this Proverbs 3 woman, there was a law on her tongue, and it was a law of kindness. That she is kind. Kindness is painted onto her countenance and flows from her tongue for it possesses the throne of her heart and gives law to all her words and actions. You know know what authority she speaks with? The authority of the law of kindness. That's what makes people listen. That's what makes children listen. You know when children tune out is when a woman is loud and stubborn, yelling at her. What did Paul just say when he was a kid? He just didn't listen. He's yelling, didn't listen. just laughed at him, whatever. Why? It's the opposite of the way you're supposed to be. It's the absolute opposite. By the way, you produce in children a lot of bad things by doing that. Things that it takes years to get over even after you're saved, right? Because you've learned a lot of bad stuff. It takes God to soften our heart for years, overcome those things. Because they're damaging. They have effects, long-lasting effects. Amen. That's just the way it is there be many false keys which open the mouths of many, said one, as rashness and choler and pride and folly and the like. But there is one right key, and that is wisdom. That is which makes a virtuous woman courteous to all, a flatterer to none, a tailbearer to none. That is which maketh her to be be familiar with a few, to be just and true with everyone. That That is which makes her respectful to her husband, lovingly grave to her children, awfully grave to others around her, dutifully to her superiors, affable with her equals, friendly to her neighbors, and not disdainful to her inferiors. That is which maketh her slow to speak, quiet in speaking, and profitable by speaking. Her words are weighed. Her wisdom is evident in her kindness, says one. Everything she does is subject to this wonderful law. She is kind to her husband, her children, people around her, the poor to strangers. Her wisdom is evident that she looks well to the ways of her household, which we'll talk about another time. But she is wise with her words. She weighs them carefully. And if she speaks, it's according to the law of kindness. It's wise words, and it's kindness that governs it. Most of the time that we allow ourselves to get exasperated is because we have not followed good order. then we get exasperated by the disorder because we do not pay attention to the things that are necessary to take care of so we become frantic your words matter lady the way you speak to your husband matters the way your husband speaks to you matters the way the children see this what they find out what they see, what they see in life how they see, you, by the way you I don't know if you realize this or not But you are the number one example outside of the scriptures themselves. But the practical example, you are the number one example of what a marriage is to your children. So then remember that. Think about that. Think about that. What message am I sending? This puts a lot of weight on our shoulders, doesn't it? It's a heavy weight. It should be it's an important thing you're shaping the lives of people that will go on after you're dead Amen. as a pastor i full well know that i am training people to live after i'm dead as a husband as a father i am conscious of the fact that i am training my children to be without me one day That's right. so they can look back and remember what mom and dad did that they followed the scriptures that they loved each other, that they loved us. They did not put themselves, uh, you know, put put selfish needs of the personal needs or selfish things before the family or the home. They sacrificed one for another. They loved each other. They cared for each other. They spoke kindly to each other. They didn't scream and holler at each other. They didn't yell at each other and argue with each other. A, A home full of strife. And bitterness, and envy, and hate. The best part about learning things that you're doing wrong is that you can get right. But you have to actually care. You have to actually care. It has to be upon your heart that it's necessary that you see the need for it, and that you have to learn from the mistakes that you've made and the sins that you've committed, and you have to repent of those, and we have to get those things right, and we have to lay those things down, and lay our rebellion down, and lay our hard-heartedness down, and lay those things down. And, and follow the scriptures and look for what I need to do to be a better father what I need to do to be a better husband what, I need to be, what you need to do to be a better wife a better uh, mother to your children those things are important God's book is meant to perfect us it never leaves us the way it found us you understand that right like we are to grow on into maturity meaning that we are not fully matured that's why we need God's word to mature us and only pride. I hear people say this. Well, I, I, I've heard people say, and I, it just, it is, it's astounding, really. But they say things like, well, I should be further along than this. I should know this. I should do this. I should. Well, you don't. And all that is is just pride. So God showed you what you're wrong about. Get it right. Why would you focus on anything else besides getting it right? That is baffling to me. Why wouldn't you focus on getting it right? Like how am I going to move forward? How am I going to do right moving forward? Not, well, look at all the mistakes I made in the well, what good's that going to do? You already know them. Oh, well, I just want to think about those. Why is an excuse not to press on and move forward and change things and do right? You're going to sit and live in the past, which is nothing, which is a waste of breath. God might as well kill you and take you home now. You're wasting your life. It's a waste of life. I'm telling you that right now. It is a waste of life for you to look behind you and to think about everything you've done wrong. You're to repent of those things, get them right, and do right and press on. Amen. You're not going to do any good going backwards. You can't change it. You repent, you ask forgiveness, you move forward. Good preaching. And you, I didn't know these things. Nobody preached them. I get it. Right. Do right now. That's what we have to do. We can't control what we didn't know, but we're responsible for what we know now. You're not responsible in that sense for what you didn't know back then. You repent of it. You were wrong for doing things wrong, of course, even in ignorance. We're wrong. That's why we got saved, amen? (laughs) Because we're ignorant and God saved us, amen? So God understands that you were ignorant of things. God's concerned what you do moving forward. Not for you making excuses with the past. You know there's people that have had bad past, I'm done, but man, I'm done, I think I'm done. Um, th- that have had bad past and went through bad things and did things wrong. Okay, wonderful, I get it. OK? So you repent of it, you get it right. What are you going to do? Keep living there? I see more people stunt their growth and not press forward because they're thinking about everything behind them. What good's that going to do? You going to waste the present? You going to waste the future? It's a waste. It won't do anything. Put all that energy forward and say, well, my kids are already raised. Okay, well, invest in the lives of others then. Invest in the lives of other children. Invest in grandchildren. Invest in the future. Do all you can do to help the next generation. Don't be selfish. Well, I don't have any kids anymore. Well, fine, do what you can to help the next generation then. That's what you're supposed to do when you learn truth, not sit there and whine about it. I can't stand that whiny spirit. Sit back and whine about everything and not do anything about it. What good is that gonna do? How is that profitable? That is, that, is, that is not a doer of the word, but a hearer only, deceiving your own selves. You're to do, not just hear. Right? You're to hear and do. That's what God expects from us, all of us. So we press on. We move forward. Amen. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the book. Thank you for the truth of it. Help us with our tongues. But Lord, thank you for teaching us Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for giving us absolute truth from the scriptures. That we know how to raise our children. We know how to move forward. We know how to lead a wife. Ladies, I want to follow a husband from the book, Lord. Help us to follow those things. Help us not to squander and waste what we've learned. But help us to invest it in the future, in the present, and the next generation to come, Lord. That we can do all we can before we die to invest in the lives of these young people. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your church. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the gospel, which is able to save every man's soul. Lord, we pray if there be any here that are not saved, that they would repent and believe the gospel. They would know the changing power of Jesus Christ to save sinners and to make all things new in their lives. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for love. Thank you for love unfeigned. Thank you for the power of God unto salvation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.